Welcome to God's Love Revealed Podcast. I'm Ellie Caswell, along with Jeff Williamson, and I want to share with you how I went from self-punishment with no true identity to a mutual knowing in Christ and finding an eternal identity in Him. Jeff is a licensed professional counselor with a master's in marriage, family, and child therapy from Fuller Theological Seminary. He's been in practice for over 20 years and specializes in intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy. God has taught him profound spiritual dynamics which have led believers to a true freedom. It's our hope to reveal the truth and life of God's love manifested through Jesus. Psychological, emotional, and spiritual freedom is possible through the true knowing of Christ. Can you tell me how this passage in 1 Corinthians 13 impacts you? Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So, like when I'm reading this verse, and when I read anything in the Bible, I want to think of it as like an experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like an experience that I'm having, or like a reality, Yes. and take it literally. Mm -hmm. So, when it says, we see in a mirror dimly... Mm -hmm. But then we will see face to face. Mm -hmm. And then when the partial passes away, perfect will be revealed. So for me, when I read that and when I'm face to face, when I'm face to face with Jesus, what is the experience yes. that I have? Exactly. What do I feel? What do I see? And what around me becomes foggy and distant? Mm what's passing away and what is being revealed. I don't want to read that verse and think that's just in heaven someday, I agree. right? Like that's when we're all living without sin and when we're glorified. We're glorified and there's just only perfection. Cuz the kingdom of heaven is right. now on earth as it is mm -hmm. in heaven. So so when he looks to your eyes, when he's mirroring you, when you're mirroring him, What's your inner experience? Like, what are the different things you notice? And I know it's a big question because that mirroring in his eyes would transform your mind. It would transform your heart. It would transform your soul. That there's a real, um, you know, he's the wonderful counselor. There's something very, very redemptive here. It's alive now. Here we mean in sanctification, like you're saying, you know, being sanctified in his perfect love, uh, being washed in his word, washed in his truth. Everything in his presence is happening. And I know it's a big question, but like, you know, here it's saying we can't reason like a child anymore. In other words, your mind is being transformed in his presence, um, your heart, um, your soul. You can feel it like a plant that's being pruned by its husbandman at the gardener. All of that. What's the inner experience like for you in his eyes, you know, in a moment, but also over time? So for me, I feel like it's changed 
and it's always like in this it's always kind of morphing mm. and it's always becoming more intimate and more vulnerable mm. and i'm becoming more comfortable having that feeling with him mm. the vulnerability right whereas before i would get just like super tense mm. and I would correct myself and like bring myself back to quote unquote reality. Mm. Like, well, that's just my emotion speaking. Like, I can't trust that. Mm. I can't trust like my feelings or whatever I have in my heart and my mind's eye and my um, whatever is like welling up in me. It's like, wait a sec. I just have to diminish that and like tell myself, quote, the truth, you mm. know. And not even giving myself the opportunity to, like, experience... His presence. His presence and how I feel in that. So when I started feeling safe and... It's also this level of confidence that has that's had to develop in myself. Where I know my motive and mm. I know my heart. And so I cannot let someone just say to me... Or I know my motive and I know my heart... And so when someone says to me, well, how do you know that's the right thing? Or how do you know that's what God wants you to do? Or that you're not being selfish? Mm -hmm. And all I have to say is I know my heart towards him and I love him and I will sacrifice whatever I need to to be with him. And all I would say is I know my heart and I know my love for him and my desire just to be with him. And I know that that desire is stronger than my desire for a good marriage, to be a good mom, to um, have a happy, cohesive life. Because when I start talking with someone who really understands me, what makes me, what moves me the most and what makes me feel, and I know this because when I'm sharing from my heart, I get the most passionate mm -hmm. when I'm talking about being with Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, I sound... Alive. I sound alive mm -hmm. and I sound like, um, I sound the way I want to sound. I don't sound like this needy person who's trying to figure things out. I don't sound like this stressed person or this person that's preoccupied and consumed with my life here on earth and i'm speaking from like this true desire in my heart immaturity like you don't sound like um a petulant little child a, a little girl who you know is kind of whining and complaining about your life you sound like a mature woman who's known in the eyes of her maker she you know known in the eyes of jesus and and that knows him that's coming into a mature knowledge of him. You know, you sound more like a woman than, let's say, a little girl, which isn't to be confused that we should, even as we come into maturity, we should always have that faith of a child. We should always have that innocence that says, you know, I don't want to be in the boat, Jesus. I want to be out on the water with you. We should always have that heart. And and that also like magnifies the it's not complicated to do that. Right. But a child can do That's it. That's right. It's not this thing that you have to work towards no. or that you have to like no. reach. No. You know, it's just you can just do it. But I love what you're saying and you know, and what I've seen 
as you speak, because as you are out on the water with him, as you're eye to eye with him, there's this maturity that we're not even aware of. I find that beautiful. Like, well, that's part of like what I'm saying is there's that confidence in that, you know, when I look to his eyes, there is a, a change that happens, you know, at first it might be a little bit, oh, I'm kind of looking away or mm-hmm. I'm like looking to his eyes and um, internalizing his love for me. It pulls something out of me mm-hmm. and it should pull something out of mm-hmm. me, like a response in every way. It should pull a response out of me. Mm-hmm. And the degree in which that response shows itself, that's a really good indicator of where I'm at in my relationship with him. Like fruit coming into bloom out mm-hmm. on a tree, right? Right. That that fruit comes into maturity over time. The degree of sensitivity that yes. I have to him mm-hmm. um, is a great indicator of where I'm at in my relationship with him. And what is it that makes you emotional when you describe that process. And I know there's a lot there. I mean, you, we could say the plant is standing in front of the gardener, you know, in itself is just a beautiful imagery, but you're also highlighting how he prunes you, you know, how he strips the, uh, what the fruit bear so it can produce more. Mm-hmm. I mean, the intimacy of his pruning over time as you come into maturity. There's a lot there that's moving and touching. What is it? For me, it's the more that that happens, the more that I see and I, there's the more that I can see and know really who I am as a person and who he created me to be. Mm. And there's less that's, there's, there are less weeds that are consuming Mm. who I am. And it's like, oh, I can be out in the open Mm. And I can reveal myself to him and I can, I can know him and know myself in this. In this mirroring sort of way, in this, like he's saying here, face-to-face sort of way. Yeah, and also like in a peace. Mm. I can know myself in a peaceful state. Mm. In his and, eyes, not yes. your own. And like in this world, it's so like hyped up. It's so neurotic Uh and busy. everything is Mm. supercharged and invasive. And so just to be able to like step away from that and to know what it feels like to to know what it feels like to really be outside of that. Mm. And I don't think anyone can know themselves inside this world at all. No. Like... Just the overwhelming stimulation alone is yes. like so distracting mm-hmm. from really knowing yourself. Yes. So you quiet down in his presence. His presence quiets you down. There's no self-reflective knowing anymore. You're not like looking in a mirror dimly back at yourself. His eyes mirror you. No, because when I do that, I'm so critical of myself. Right. And I'm so... And so second guess everything that I do. And so I can look back on my former self and be like, the way that I would just speak to like a friend, like so unsure, so putting the blame on me. So one down to them, one downing myself. Mm. Yeah. And just these, the voice, the voices that I would hear are just, they don't give life. They don't give truth. And just to see all of that kind of change slowly 
over time. Is testimony to his um, gardening ability, wouldn't you say? Like, there's no boasting on ourselves. You know that you're growing into this mature woman in his presence over time, that you know the fruit is evidence of his redemption of you, mm-hmm. his and, sanctifying of you. And to me, that that is real fruit. Like, that mm-hmm. is the fruit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Not this false identity and this striving and we're basically saying here we're you know what we're we're talking about here is a picture of love your god with your whole heart soul mind strength so we'll say you know you're like a plant coming into maturity in his hands in his presence his eyes on you as the plant are more important than your eyes on yourself and you're so right when we just look at ourselves as the plant we're going to just butcher ourselves right yeah and you become self-absorbed and narcissistic whatever Mm -hmm. here he you hand yourself over to his care now let's say that's like commandment one you know love your god with your whole heart soul mind and strength we would say well what's the application and i love what he says the second commandment is like unto first to love your neighbor as he has loved you because as you bloom you're one giving a testimony that he is faithful to have you grow into maturity. And so some other plant could say, well, I want to put myself into his hands too. You know, you're like a light on a hill because then you're blooming in his hands, not your own, as you're saying. Your blooming uh, sets the sort of way or the testimony for what we should all be doing. Um, Paul says, imitate me. And what he really means is imitate how I put myself into Jesus's hands as he sanctifies me. Do the same thing. Imitate what I'm doing here. And as you explain this and share this, hopefully it's impacting somebody to say, okay, well, I can hear how she's really testifying to how she's bloomed in his hands. And I want that same growth. And you can't lean on your own understanding for that. You can't lean on your own knowledge. It's all passing away. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I notice as you talk, there's this emotion that wells up in you. And that's what I'm interested in. What is that exactly? You know, what, what is that? That when you put yourself in, you know, his hands and you have that, you know, he prunes you, he grows you. What is it that's touching to you about that on a like real personal level? There's a, there's a few different reasons why it's emotional to me. One of them is the verse just comes to mind where it says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm-hmm. And feeling finally feeling like that burden being lifted off my shoulders, like I think of Pilgrim's Progress, and he's just like carrying this mm-hmm. load with him, and then finally like it's lifted. And just to actually experientially go through that mm-hmm. and to know when it's happening and to realize like the load that I've carried and to know that there's a different way to walk through life. Like there's a different way to live rather than under this weight and this punishment and this heaviness and these burdens And it makes me emotional because I'm like, I see people in my life who are still walking with Mm -hmm. this load. And I'm like... Even believers. Oh, yeah. Especially believers. Mm -hmm. You know, people that I love. Mm -hmm. And 
again, it all goes, it goes back to their location that creates that burden. That's where I know that my love is true. It's like I do, I love him first with my, with everything and then love my neighbor mm-hmm. as he has loved me. And to see uh, the love that I've experienced with him and just want that so much mm-hmm. for those that I care about in my life. And I think that is probably the biggest indicator to me that I love him more than my life because I've experienced this perfect love that I'm like, I want everyone else to have and to experience with him. So that makes me emotional. And then along with that, I feel like my feelings of anger and frustration with this world or at certain people is in a way validated because I don't have this these this hatred or these bad feelings to that person it's too i don't actually know if i want to go no go do it in other words what you're getting is we don't war against flesh and blood it's not towards the person it's that if they're not going to i'm like don't you see that there's such a better way of living in his hands yeah and i want that for them and maybe your anger too is for your gardener because you know, you know how much he loves. You know how much how much he wants to right, do and he that. He desires that, that for right? every person. Yeah, like he he calls us to that, and the eyes of our heart are just closed to that. And I, you know, it's really uh, neat to listen to you share this because the whole time I'm thinking, wow, this is such a parallel of um, Jesus's sorrow unto death in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm. I've always wondered if I believe that that pain in him is exactly what you described. It's not the pain, the sorrow of going to the cross. He knew he was going to go to the cross. Mm-hmm. I think his pain and sorrow is what you just said. Is one, you know, because when he's here, he's always in the hands of the Father. He does nothing in his own strength. That one, he has just got to be so moved and touched by the Father's love for him. And even when humanity deserts him, the Father doesn't. It says in Luke that even the Father sent angels to minister to him. So similar to what you're saying, so touched by the intimacy itself. But then also his desire that all of us would come into that same knowledge of the Father through Him, that same kind of love, the same thing you're saying, that you're, you're you get emotional for those people that you love, and you want them to experience the same kind of profound love that you've experienced. I think it's just neat that you, being alive in the Holy Spirit, is feeling the exact same emotions that Jesus the Head felt in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then the... And then the other part of it is, I think of him dying for me, and I've said this before, if I was the only one that desired a relationship with him, like he still would have gone to the cross, Mm -hmm. and he still would have given everything for me. Mm -hmm. And so, what is it, what loss is it to me? really to give everything for him and forsake my life and um, my other identities Mm -hmm. and just completely find my identity in him. And some would say, well, that's 
but you're not, you know, happy when you do that. Or I just want you to be happy. They'll say, mm. I just want you to be happy. I just want you to like be loved and like not be alone, not be lonely. When you're not, none of that, you're always going to feel that way. None yeah. of that's going to be satisfied unless we are listening to what he asks of us, which is to forsake it all here and be with him and we can experience the fullness of his love and his peace and his hope um and the faith oh sorry and we can experience his love and his knowing and just a rest i think for me that that really hits because there's so much there's so much striving. I see that around me so much, and and I don't know if you meant to do that with the last verse of that passage. And now these three remain: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I mean, did you mean to do that? But that's basically what you just said. No, I didn't. You didn't see mean to do that. No, that's incredible. You just <laughs> said. Faith, hope, and love, and then you said, oh, I'm sorry, and then you went back to love. Right. Because, like, it's true. Like, we, we have to have faith here, and we have to have this hope. Um, but without just that pure, amazing, profound, yet simple love, nothing means anything. There's nothing here that your faith and your hope, they don't mean anything without that love how do you mean that well someone can say well i have hope that there's a greater purpose to all of this Hmm. i have you know faith that god's in control Hmm. like that's my faith Hmm. and you know your faith that he is the son of god your salvation Hmm. and your hope that you're going to be in heaven with him someday Mm -hmm. but love is like here and now Mm. And that love is an mm. experience, and in heaven, why shouldn't it be like the same love that we've experienced here? And man, it's just hitting me. You know, I never thought of it this way, but what you're saying is, if he died for you, if he went, you know, he went to the grave, and if you were the only bride on the earth, right? Mm-hmm. If his love is risen. We could say he's risen, his love is risen, then shouldn't your love be risen even now? Yeah, or resurrected. That, right. Mm-hmm. So that your love, this emotion, because that's what it well, is. That that's the whole thing. Jesus is risen from the grave. Right. No longer does the grave hold him. Right. And that should be true for us. Right. So the last Adam would lay down his life for the bride. That is love, as you're saying, right? You're moved by that love. This is what you're saying. And you're saying as a representative bride that your love is risen. And you know that risen love in you, not just for you, but for the other body members of Christ. Isn't that the greatest fruit, the greatest evidence that Jesus would want to see in that plant? More than faith, more than hope. Wouldn't the greatest evidence is that love in that plant is risen indeed for the gardener who gave his life? So couldn't we say the greatest fruit, the maturity of a plant, being a woman in your case, not childish, would be the evidence of that love being alive 
in you? Couldn't we say that that is the greatest evidence of maturity of the plant, whether it's male or female? Is that love, which is Christ's love, being alive? Yeah, it is. And it's that love that conquers everything else. Hmm. And it's the perfection you know, it's all about that perfection. You know, Jesus in his perfection was able to die on the cross for us. The perfect love of God for his son and for his creation. Not his perfect wrath or his, you know, even his holiness, but his love for his son and Jesus's love for his father and his loyalty to him in that. And I think... I mean, for him to have that true loyalty towards the Father, there had to be a true love. Mm. Not just like a faith or hope in his plan. And love, like to truly love someone, you have to trust them. And it's a response to who they are. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's not just... You have to know them. Yeah, you have to know them. It's not just a decision. Like, I feel like I can, I can have a decision... I like to believe certain things that are true, you know, that are biblical, but the love is just a response and it shows him, it shows who he is, that I can have a perfect response to him. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And at the end, you know, some come up and say, you know, we did this in your name and we did that in your name. And he says, I tell you, I never knew you. And I love the connection that you're making here, the connection between knowing somebody and that perfect love you feel towards them. And in that love and in that knowing him face to face comes this freedom. And once you experience that freedom from having to find that love with another human being or in another dynamic or in an identity, Hmm. like... There's no going back Mm -hmm. to that. So if there is a response in you to him, to his perfect love, which creates a perfect response Mm -hmm. and a perfect love back to him, you will find freedom in every other area of your life because you're not looking to fulfill that in something that will inevitably disappoint you. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast to be insightful, please subscribe to our show and share with someone who would enjoy listening. And we look forward to meeting here with you again soon.